When summoning, please watch the wording. A Good Omens Supernatural Fan Fiction Written by Ryuza Kocho Read by God of Laundry Baskets Summary Dean and Sam fall into the hands of Satanists, who naturally want to use Sam as the vessel for the golden-eyed demon. Well, they do get a certain golden-eyed demon, and an avenging angel, and a serious posterior whooping. It was a good circle. It had elegant curves and strong lines. It had dizzying symbols done with ritual and meaning. It had etching and worrying looking sigils. It had significant stones of power. It had bundles of important woods. It had rich altar cloths, glimmering metal implements. The book, which had a 23-syllable title, meaning Instruction Manual, had highly graphic diagrams and gothic scripts so thick that it required an English-to-English -English translator. The robes of the three teens were the pitch black of the starless sky of hell, covered with dark and brooding runes. It was a Ferrari of magic circles, if magic circles were a sellable commodity. This one would only appear to the Fortune 500 section of the catalog. Essentially, what that meant was it looked good and worked well, but it had a lot of components that weren't, when you got right down to it, necessary. Dean Winchester wasn't in the mood to appreciate it. In fact, the only thing he was in the mood for now was complete and utter carnage with a side order of rage. He was loud and voracious to this end, but being trussed up like a cow at a rodeo and gagged meant it wasn't nearly as incandescent as he wanted it to be. Sam wasn't tied. But Sam wasn't in any shape to follow his brother's lead. Animal tranquilizers will do that to a person. He stared, blinking heavily, and you can see from his eyes that no one was home. Who would have thought? They face monsters and spirits and demons and even human beings with guns and way too much time on their hands on occasion. And... After all of that, it was a bunch of brats with too much makeup and not enough sense that brought them down. How about that?
It had just been a routine stop. When you see a girl with a killer body and a face fresh off the farm and a sweet smile frowning quizzically over a car engine, of course you stop to help and exchange phone numbers, but mostly help. No self-respecting male between, say, 15 and 50 was going to just drive past. It just didn't happen. You may as well pluck the moon from the sky. Dean had come to with a headache and a lack of the ability to move, dumped on the ground on this dingy field outside some dingy town out of a dingy van by some dingbat kids. They had stacks of equipment set up all around. The girl's two male companions did most of the heavy lifting while the girl drew all the significant lines. And gloated. She was a champion gloater. Won't be long now, darlin', she purred to the slumped Sam, who was twitching weakly. He was trying to force his brain to work. You are a chosen vessel. Time to stop fighting your destiny. Her hands ran over his lanky body in intimate ways that Sam would run from and Dean would run too. You will bring glory to the Dark Lord. Silly little Sam Winchester with his silly little normal life. You are not even close to worthy, but you are it. Poor little Sam. You're just not good for anything, are you? Pathetic little dreams and pathetic little thoughts and pathetic little emotions. You just can't do right by anyone, can you? Hurt your father, hurt your brother, kill your girlfriend. You should have joined our side long ago. It would have been better for everyone. Sam turned his face away. Doped up, he was still aware enough to absorb what she was saying, but not coherent enough to put up his defenses. No mercy, bitch, Dean thought viciously, surreptitiously testing the knots. When, when they got out of this, Dean was going to mount a skull on the Impala. He growled through the gag like a pack wolf. And you? Blonde hair waved merrily as she laughed. <laughs> Big brother Dean, you're pathetic in a whole nother way. We were tailing you for weeks, and the big bad hunter didn't even notice. What kind of sleaze actually falls for the, Oh, poor little me, my car seems to have broken down. In this day and age, you're nothing, Dean. Nothing. She came over to gently cup his face, smiling her fresh, sweet, corn-fed smile. And when the golden-eyed demon comes to take his rightful vessel, you will have the great honor of being the Lord of Earth's first victim, and a victim of your own brother's hand. Maybe we'll untie you. Maybe we'll give you a fighting chance. She giggled. <laughs> you can kill your brother, Dean, or be killed by him. Isn't that nice? 
She caressed Dean's hair like he was a dog. You won't be killed by a stranger. She leaned down to kiss him. Do you still want this? She whispered in his ear. When the demon comes, we'll need soldiers, and you could still be with Sam. How about it? There are privileges. Dean's forehead jerked forwards, but she moved easily out of range and laughed. <laughs> You're so cute, Dean. Always fighting the unkillable, always putting off the inevitable. Your stupidity is entertaining. Maybe. She leaned in, covering his body with hers. Maybe we'll leave you alive to watch. We're ready, Amethic, one of the two guys called over, lighting the last black candle. The other guy was hauling Sam into the center of the circle. Dalith, Ritterstreck, start the ceremony, the girl ordered imperiously. Pave the way for our dark lord. She went over to one of the pile of boxes and equipment and did something to one of the bundles. She came back with a goblet. The two guys, pasty-faced and rather forgettable, started to chant and howl and do all sorts of other stupid things that looked completely insane. Amateurs, Dean thought furiously, struggling and writhing. Sam was writhing too. Even in his drugged position, he knew something wasn't right. But even as he squirmed, the girl gave him a hard kick, leaving him on his back and exposed. The girl tipped the chalice, and liquid, too dark to see what it was, dripped onto Sam's face. His head turned this way and that, trying to escape the stuff. He made a noise in the back of his throat, like a denial. Dean snarled and kicked helplessly. We summon thee, Master of Darkness. We whom prepare thine imperfect vessel call out to you, so that we may serve under your most perfect reign. Come forth, golden-eyed one. We, your servants, are ready for your coming. We have built the way. The chanting rose to a frenetic crescendo, howling and echoing through the dark, clear night. She started intoning an ecient tongue from the book, flecks of spittle flying from her mouth in her ecstasy of purpose. Thousands of miles and a whole ocean away, two men, or at least two men-shaped beings, we're finishing up a scrumptiously expensive meal in an exclusive restaurant in London. Well, don't look at me, one said. I only came up with the idea of humiliating people on national TV. I only got as far as funniest home videos and candid camera. The reality show was all them. Nevertheless, the whole thing is in extremely poor taste. 
they could at least try for some sophistication in their sins. This is just crass. It really is most depressing. I know. Isn't it wonderful? Really, my dear. The other one dabbed at his mouth fastidiously. There is no need for that. Now you've gone and started my side on supernatural dramas and reconciliation shows that stop criminals. Do you really want to start the Great War through television? Think of the damage. You may have me there, the other one shrugged. Indeed, the other replied. Now then, I am certain it is your turn this time. The other man opened his mouth and stopped. Now, now, his companion wagged an monitory finger. None of your tricks. It is definitely your turn to pay. I am sure of it. Oh, no. Oh, no. What is it? Oh, shit. The girl said the last word, Dean flopping like a fish, straining to be free. There was a wind and chill and shake, and the torches flared and candle flames became pillars of fire seven feet tall. There was a sound that seemed to come from a long way off, but moved very fast at the same time. It sounded like, Oh, shit! A man landed in the circle, stumbled slightly, and righted himself. He was tall, had excellent cheekbones, and was stylishly disheveled, dressed in black with snakeskin boots. Well, presumably they were boots. They were skin-tight, whatever they were. He wore sunglasses that the dark night didn't induce him to take off. The flames died down, leaving the man standing alone with Sam at his feet. The young hunter tried to get away, but his body simply wouldn't work with him. He opened his mouth to talk and could only manage to groan a garbled string of nonsense. The man in black looked around angrily. What the fuck? He doubled over, clutching his stomach. Thrice blessed bloody transplanal travel, he groaned. Even archangels don't use it anymore. Oh, <sighs> Bollocks. He swayed momentarily. His accent was hard to place. It was part British, part European, part American, and mostly royally pissed off. Dean was staring. So were the three wannabes. Clearly, they hadn't been expecting what they'd been asking for. My lord, the girl's voice was exultant. We have summoned you so that you may bring about your glorious rule. And then, the apocalypse. What? Again? The man in black looked around blearily. Look, we tried the apocalypse, and the Antichrist said he didn't want any. 
He suddenly seemed to focus. Oh, no, no, look, I've got a lot of things on right now. I don't have time to do any summoning. That's not my specialty, okay? I'm more of a background string master now than an in-your-face tempter. I don't do the whole customer service shtick anymore. There's some evils that even I won't stoop to. Uh, but we have summoned you, Master, so that you may receive your chosen vessel. The girl continued in the tone of voice when one finds unplanned occurrences in a well-rehearsed universe. Huh? The demon said. The, the, Sam Winchester, your evilness, said one of the guys. Your vessel in which you may cross over into uh, the mortal plane? The demon gave them all a blank stare. Do I look like I need to cross over? What do you call this, a public transport body? He tapped his chest. But this is your vessel, my lord, the girl said, suddenly sounding stronger. You can abandon that weak human you possessed and enter this one and use his powers as your own. The demon looked down at Sam. Suddenly, he bent down, peering intently at the young man's face, as if he suddenly noticed something. He gave a little grunt while Dean roared past his gag in what he hoped was a threatening way. Well, thanks for the offer, kids, the demon said, standing up. But I'll pass. What? The girl recoiled like she'd been slapped. Dean stopped struggling. Even Sam turned bleary eyes on the demon. I kind of like this body, the demon explained. It was tailor-made, you see. Took me years to requisition one that I could add my own touches to. Did you know my last one had a pudding bowl haircut with an emo forelock and one of those little mustaches that looked like it had been sliced with a slide rule? Apparently, it was all the rage at the time, but all I could say was that even with a decent shave and a stylist, it was all you could do to not look like a bloody idiot that was on all the posters with the black, indecisive-looking X on them. And, you know, it doesn't have any holes that leak yet. You humans, you're covered in holes. Whoever thought up intelligent design should have stopped right there. Humans do nothing but leak. You feel sad, you leak. You exercise, you leak. You get sick, you leak. To eat something, you... Well, leak's a good as word as any. You get cut, you leak. You take a leak, you leak. All of you are nothing but holes with gushing fluids that live long day. It's gross. That's why I gave up the whole possession business. You humans are just too squishy. He looked down at Sam again. Besides, 
this kid's gonna have enough to deal with. I couldn't possibly make his life worse, even if I was inclined to. Dean made a completely poleaxed noise. Sam lay still. The kids stood with their mouths hanging open. But, but you've been hunting this guy since he was a baby, said one of the two guys, pointing to Sam. You've, you've killed off people he knows to get to him. The demon looked blank. You must have me confused with somebody else, he replied with a shrug. I don't do that sort of thing. It's undignified. The girl was thumbing through the book. What's your name, demon? The man in black shrugged again and flicked her a business card. A.J. Crowley. She read slowly. No, I mean your demon name. That is my name, Crowley replied a little sullenly. Has been for 6,000 years. I like it. The girl thumbed through the book. You don't, um, seem to be in here. Crowley raised an uninjured eyebrow. I should hope not. I have some pride. A lot, actually, since it's an official sin. He pointed a contemptuous finger at the tome. That thing is like... like a dating site, right? You find a picture of someone good-looking and then add a personality on beneath it. You know, a fancy-sounding name like Katz, has a sense of humor, is interested in the mind, not body, are looking for commitment. I mean, you're not going to track anyone saying you're a one-eyed mortician's assistant with a thing for people who lie still, are you? Same thing here. They drew the nastiest pictures imaginable and wrote themselves advertisements. There's not a lot of employment in hell that doesn't include torment, which gets pretty old fast, and you don't get paid well. So they are looking for something better, hence the book. That's not true, the girl shrieked. This book holds all the wisdom of hell. Nah, it's too thick for that. Hell's wisdom wouldn't cover a very thin pamphlet, but fair's fair, neither would heavens. Look! <sighs> Crowley sighed and glared and started to hiss. I know I should probably be egging you on or something, but you interrupted a very good meal and dragged me all the way out to... He sniffed the air. America, because you were looking for someone else. I don't appreciate this, children. You want to further the cause of hell? Go home, 
chuck all of your candles and props and whatnot, go to school and become defense lawyers or congressmen or TV producers. Don't go in for this whole magic thing. It pisses demons off and attracts attention from the good crowd. I'm giving you friendly advice here, okay? The girl seemed blindsided and enraged by this. She broke in. No, we've worked hard for the sake of our lord. You're nothing but a low-class demon. That's why you're not in the book. But here, these two, she gestured to the Winchesters, are hunters. They have killed and expelled your kind. You must do as I say. Kill that one, she jabbed a finger at Dean. And then find the golden odd one so that we might. That's it? That's who you summoned? Crowley took off his glasses. Yellow eyes glinted in the darkness. Jeez, Beals, cripes! Don't be so damn loose with your wording. You summon me for the sake of eye color, you morons! The spell just found the nearest being that fit the description. Sam stared into those eyes. They weren't the eyes of his tormentor. He never would forget them, and these weren't them. These were yellow all round and slitted like a snake's. Dean thrashed some more, but was watching the demon through narrowed eyes. He noticed, too. But we summoned the gold-eyed one. His hunting ground is here. Why were you so much closer? His hunting ground is hell, Crowley raged, pacing closer around Sam. Where yellow eyes, by the by, are the most common color in all the pits. I live on the mortal plane, and contrary to evidence, the mortal plane is a lot closer than hell. The mortal... You can't! The girl said aghast, completely failing to notice Dean worming his way towards the equipment piles. Demons... Sam managed to mumble. The tranks were wearing off. Can't cross... Crossover. Need a body. Now they need a body, kid, Crowley replied to him as Dean's fingers brushed a ritual knife. But, you know, before the big guy cut the ribbon on the planet, so to speak, it was kind of unsecured, like any other construction site. Anyone can nick in and out. Everything was still being organized. There weren't any actual rules yet. It wasn't until the whole apple incident that up there decided to put in a fence and a few night watchmen. And, you know, I was doing work here at the time. Crowley shrugged, smiling the faint smile of someone looking in on the past. That gave even Dean pause. If that was true, and the man in the circle was all demon and not some human puppet, then he might be the oldest demon on Earth. 
He gripped the knife and sawed harder. He was a hunter. The duty was obvious. The girl looked completely lost, but still stuck to her guns. I command you to kill these hunters. We have summoned you, and while you are not our lord, you are still compelled by our power. Kill them. Good grief. Why would I want to do that? Crowley stared at her. This lord of yours must be one of the younger crowd. They're all red-hot, excuse the pun, or death and annihilation. It's stupid. Why? Sam whispered, still trying to force his still limp body to move. Crowley looked down at Sam. He saw with an immortal's eyes, which noticed a lot more than any mortal ones. He knew Sam was one of the lucky few he couldn't lie to. Because what good does a lot of dead innocent people do us? They're all headed for heaven, aren't they? Living people are good. Living people can sin. They can encourage others to sin. That's the best bit. They're better at it than any demon. They're also better at virtue than any angel, too. Humans are a bit funny like that. Down there and up there simply can't compete with you lot. The younger crowd don't really get it. To them, it's about torment and murder, or righteousness and smiting if you swing for that team. It's rather sad, really. Good doing evil by encouraging humans to murder for God, evil doing good by whisking away innocent souls right out of hell's grasp. It's a bit of a cock-up most of the time, to tell you straight. Makes you wonder what he really had planned. That's... that's it? That's the truth? Sam whispered, leaning back in shocked slump. Dean's hands were free. Got... say... Somebody's honest truth, kid. Crowley looked at Sam's soiled face. Sorry, he felt compelled to add. Do as I command, the girl shrieked, incensed. Do it! You can't leave until I tell you. You can't leave until you kill them. Kill them! Dean got up and got the knife out in front of him. Crowley calmly stepped out of the circle until he was nose-to-nose -nose with her. Wanna bet? he hissed, putting his glasses back on. His teeth were straight and white and glinting before. Now they looked sharper. Suddenly, he stopped, nostrils flaring. He looked down at the cup in the girl's hands. There was a scowling set to his eyebrows. What is that? Dean was staring at the knife in his hands. He checked his hands for cuts. It wasn't his. Blood, the girl replied with a hint of a quaver. Yes, we've performed a proper sacrifice to honor our Lord. It's your sacrifice now, the blood that has cleared the way. Are you not pleased? 
Dean turned, dreading what he'd see. There was something wrapped in a bedsheet behind him, amongst the piles. Something small. Crowley went over to have a look. He ignored Dean, who warily circled him and back toward Sam, hiding the knife against his side. Said brother was propped up on one elbow, wiping shaking fingers across his face. He was stained with blood. Crowley, meanwhile, had unwrapped it, her, from the shroud. She was so tiny. Sam stared in horror. Dean gripped the knife hard. Pleased. Where the Winchesters were expecting the malicious glee of hell in the voice of the demon, there was nothing. A flat, empty bleakness. Pleased, Crowley repeated, his tone unidentifiable. Much to everyone's surprise, he knelt down and laid her out properly, so she wasn't just dumped like a piece of meat. Suddenly, he turned, smiling. Well, his teeth were showing, all the way to the points. His face had a waxy gleam to it. His expression was happy, and there was no other word for it. Hellish. You're right. I am pleased. Come on, now. We have to call in the big guns, don't we? Bouncing into the circle so abruptly that the humans all jumped, he grabbed Dean's knife hand almost absently as the hunter lunged and pressed him down to sit next to his brother. Sit still just for a minute. You'll get your chance after I have mine. The demon hissed. The Winchesters frowned at each other. That wasn't very demonic. Okie dokie, Crowley said cheerfully. You stand right there, miss, and your young man, sorry, men, take up your positions. We just need to change the wording a little. Okay, now you do the chanting. He snapped his fingers and the chanting started, much to the surprise of the chanters. And you say the spell. Hang on, just let me... Crowley towed a rough circle around the Winchesters and himself. There, now repeat after me. And this will bring my lord to me? Her eyes were glazed and eager. Truly? On my honor as a demon. Crowley didn't even bat an eye. Would I lie? Now just say, he recited a Latin passage. Sam's eyes, nearly all there now, opened wide. Dean blinked. But clearly Latin wasn't a prerequisite for the modern Satanist. The words were shouted joyfully, clearly into the air. The circle, except for Crowley's little cordon, blazed a blindingly blue-white, the sandy earth was fused into glass, and out came the sound of, Oh, dear! And a man popped into the circle, again. This man was, well, clearly not like Crowley at all. He was dressed in tweed, 
was fair-featured and haired with pale blue eyes. He had an air of gentle intelligence about him, rather like a harmless old librarian or English lit professor. He staggered in the circle. Good God, he moaned. He focused on Crowley and glared. Really, isn't this an awful lot of trouble to go through just to avoid paying the bill, my dear? Aziraphale, Crowley greeted cheerfully, completely ignoring this. Sorry for the ride, but I have myself some lost souls here who could really use some divine intervention. The man, Aziraphale's eyebrows rose. For some reason, he focused not on the Satanists who were gawping, but on the Winchesters who were crouched tensely on the ground. Sam felt those pale eyes look right into the core of him. Dean fought not to look away. Oh, my, well, yes, obviously, but they don't need my help anymore. They are balanced, of course. He looked at them benevolently and earnestly. If you need any literature, I can. No, not them. Crowley gestured to the rest of the people. These are the ones I mean? He smiled. He smiled like a snake. Who are you? One of the guys asked, bewildered. Another demon? Aziraphale looked shocked. I should think not, my dear boy. I am an angel. And you are... Satanist, Crowley replied promptly, grinning. The most lost of lost souls. They want to bring about the reign of terror and the apocalypse and blah de blah blah and so forth. What, again? Aziraphale asked, surprised. Well, you can certainly tell they're humans. You should think of your souls, children. He turned to them sternly. You should try to raise the sum total of all humanity. You should try to resist the temptation of pressing the big red let's end the world button at any rate. It was really most annoying and disrupting the last time. We're still doing the paperwork. Now, I am going to grant each of you a bit of ecstasy, divine ecstasy, and in the hope that you will... Crowley broke in. Yes, yes, yes. Save their souls. Very good. But first, he steered the puzzled angel around. I need you to make sure a soul here isn't lost. Aziraphale had a direct view. There was a long, long silence. Are, are you really an angel? It was Sam who broke it even half-drugged, looking so hopeful and so afraid. Dean glared at the supposed celestial. He wasn't trusting anyone who just materialized out of thin air. After a long silence, Aziraphale spoke. Yes, my child, I am. He turned. The expression on his face couldn't be called holy under any circumstances. 
pathetic lackey of a dead god, the girl snarled, reaching for an inverted crucifix. Look at you, soft and weak and fairy all the way through. Uh-oh, Crowley said gleefully. Hang on, Angel, just let me get out of the way. Aziraphale's expression was like thunder. Come to me, my child, he said, his tone is cutting its diamonds, and I will show you a true wonder of a miracle. There was light, then darkness. Dean woke up with a groan. He was sprawled out next to his precious car. What the hell? They'd stopped to help someone, then something. Sam? Sammy! Dean heaved himself up and darted around frantically. Sammy was a crumbled up heap on the ground. Sam! Oh, my head. Sam groaned from the ground. I don't feel so good. Dean propped him up against the Impala. What the hell happened, Dean? Damned if I know, Dean mumbled, slumping alongside him. Didn't we stop for that girl with the killer curves? Who? That one? Sam pointed. Who the hell are they? There were three of them dressed in tattered strips of cloth. One was a curled-up ball of limbs. He seemed to be muttering, I'll be good, I'll be good, I'll be good. Another was staring at a flower like it was the most fascinating thing in the whole world. He said nothing, but he smiled a lot in a fixed sort of way. And she was, well, skipping around flipping an imaginary dirndl and humming tunes from the sound of music with apparent satisfaction and complete lack of inhibition. They made an interesting stage show. The bemused brothers watched for a while. Okay, we've been mugged by three crazy people, Sam summarized finally. That's definitely a first. Excuse me, said a tiny voice. There was a very small face peering out from around the trunk of the Impala. Can you tell me where Mommy is, please? I, I want my Mommy, and I can't find her. She seemed close to tears. There was blood on her shirt collar. Hey, are you okay? Dean got up and went to crouch down next to her gently. Do you hurt anywhere? No, I want to go home. Okay, honey. Sam gently took one of her hands comfortingly. We'll take you back home, okay? What about the funny people? The two brothers looked at each other. I think we'll send somebody back for them, Dean said, feeling unaccountably nasty. They don't deserve any help. Sam found himself agreeing without ever knowing why. Two men, or 
men-shaped creatures were sitting on top of the Impala as it drove back into town, completely invisible to mortal eyes. Well, that was certainly interesting, Crowley commented, idly grooming the cobalt black feathers in his wings. I always knew you had a bit of a bastard in you, Angel. The sound of music? I know demons in the pits that'd be impressed. Yes, well, you requested the miracle, Aziraphale replied defensively. Saving the life of a child, Crowley, my people would be most pleased. Crowley grunted. Don't give me any sets of white yet, Angel. She might grow up to be a politician, or a TV executive, or a pop singer. Or a doctor, a nun, a saint, Aziraphale grinned. It is most enjoyable, I find, never knowing, watching them choose. More entertaining than heaven or hell, at any rate. Aziraphale shifted on the car roof uncomfortably, spreading his pure white wings for balance. May I ask why we are traveling this way, my dear? Do you feel like going back across the Atlantic the long way? We're not as young as we used to be. Besides, he patted the Impala companionably, I've got a soft spot for the classics. The End